But that's cool, baby. I mean, you know how it is. Rocking and rolling and whatnot. How's it going? Hey, I'm Lee McCormick. Welcome to Tramps Like Us, a Bruce Springsteen podcast, sidecast, rocking and rolling and whatnot. Episode 41, Rob Shanahan, drums and photography. Thanks for listening or downloading the show via the website, trampsliguspod.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you found it. Stay in touch and updated at our Facebook group page, Tramps Like Us, a Bruce Springsteen podcast. Welcome to the first podcast of 2022. Are you excited? It's going to be an awesome year, right? A couple of corrections before we proceed, though. These have been bugging me. On the last show, the 2021 year-end review episode that I did with Mitch Slater, we were talking about Neil Young's new record, Barn, recorded with Crazy Horse, including Nils Lofgren, who replaces Frank Poncho San Pedro. And I incorrectly said that Frank had died. My mistake. Frank is alive at 72. He just retired from the horse. (laughs) Right, so sorry about that, Frank. Glad you're still with us, brother. The other thing that's kind of been bugging me is I got a few of the dates wrong with our fabulous tribute to Charlie Watts episode. I hope you check that one out. It's one of my favorites out of the almost 200 shows we've done over the past six years. Anyway, during that show, I mentioned Charlie's tenure with the Stones starting in July of 1962. And that was when the Stones played their first gig. I think it was at the Marquee Club there in London. But Bill and Charlie hadn't joined the boys yet. So I think it was Tony Chapman on drums, and Charlie's first gig with the band would be January 1963, solidifying that original five-piece lineup with Bill Wyman. Okay, glad we cleared that up. I don't think you can do a movie about someone as big as Charlie Parker uh, without people like me sitting there going, oh, the date was wrong, or you're going to tea on a Wednesday, you know. Something to knock about it, perhaps, or something. Yeah, you you just get protective about these things. So for the first show of 2022, I'm joined by drummer and photographer Rob Shanahan. Rob has taken some incredible photographs of musicians, rock stars, and specifically some of my favorite drummers, including Charlie Watts, Ringo Starr, and DJ Fontana. Now Rob was gracious to tell me some of his stories behind the photos and talk drums and photography. After you've listened to this episode, be sure to check out robshanahan.art and shanahanphoto on Instagram to check out his killer photos, photography book, and prints for sale. Always a hell of a good time talking to a fellow drummer with great taste and favorite drummers. Drumming is my madness. Drumming is my business. Drumming is Hey, there you go. There you go. How's it going, Rob? <laughs> You're good, man. How are you, Lee? Uh, good to talk to you. Good to talk to you. And thanks for joining me here. Wow, what's that drum kit right behind you? I gotta know. Oh, you gotta know? We well, uh, let's see if I can go down here. Down here, I got a... That's a 60s uh, Rogers kick. Yeah. Mid-60s. And, nice. uh, and right behind me here is a... I don't know if you can see that. 
I do, I see it. That's a, that's a Ludwig Vistalite kit from about 78. Uh, uh, I just re- I, I'm just restoring that kit. I don't. There's a band from uh, Canada, Toronto area, Hamilton actually, called Teenage Head. And yeah. uh, that was their kit from uh, 79, 80 era. And I'm a big fan of theirs, so I recently got that off the bass player like over the summer. So I just restored it back to the way he would have had it back in like 79, 80. So. Man, that thing has some stories to tell. Oh, I mean, I'm a huge fan, and like this kit has been in all the bars and all like the riot at Ontario Place and recording on the album, and it's on the the album cover. So, yeah, I love that stuff. Man, man. cool, I love that. So it's good to talk to you, and I guess I became aware of you, I guess just after August 24th of this year, yeah. when uh, our hero Charlie Watts passed away. And yeah, was... nice. You did a really great tribute, by the way, that interview with, uh, oh, with... who was it with? The oh. tribute that you did to Charlie. Oh, yeah, I talked to my buddy Joe and uh, Rob Bowman as well. Joe, yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I put my heart into that episode. Like, Charlie Watts means a lot to me, and so I was full of a lot of emotion that week, and, uh, you know, looking, yeah. at, looking at all the tributes from people, and I was seeing... You know, a lot of great photos. I, I saw Ringo Starr shared a, a great photo, and I found out it was your photograph. And I yeah. saw a lot of the uh, photos coming out from uh, Modern Drummer did a bunch of photos, and I saw they were all your photographs. And then I researched yeah. this guy, Rob Shanahan, and I'm looking at all your photography, and it's all these great drum heroes of mine and stuff, right? So then I find out that you're actually a drummer. So I'm happy to talk to you, and I wanted to find out some of the stories behind those photos, especially the, the Charlie Watts and the Ringo Starr connection. I'm Graham. glad you're excited, man. So glad you're excited about all this. It's so oh, yeah. great to talk to you, a fellow drummer. You really get it. We have the same group of idols. Yeah. I have a feeling, and I think our musical tastes are probably really aligned with, you know, Charlie being one of your faves. Absolutely, man. Like, this stuff means a lot to me, and, you know, these are our heroes. And, you know, we're at this age where we're losing a lot of our heroes, so it's... You know, I'm, as, as I'm getting older, I'm looking back at how much these guys mean to me. Like, I mean, when Charlie Watts passed away, it really affected me. Like, it still does. Like, I, st- yeah, I think about him every day. And for a guy yeah. that I doesn't know I exist, I've never met the man. You know, he's basically a stranger, but he's a close friend to me. His music has been with me since, like, such a young age. I know you understand that, right? Well, that's the power of music. We feel like we know our musical heroes through their music because it touches our soul. It touches our heart. And to work with these guys and create photos that touches people's heart yeah. and touches their soul is just a dream come true. Capturing these amazing. special moments, right? Can you tell me about your origins as a photographer, your origins as a drummer, and kind of when did those two intersect in your life? Well, drumming came first, started in uh, sixth grade. The high school band director came into our classroom. Okay, any of you kids want to join the band? My hand went up right away. That sounded fun. He's like, what do you want to play? I had a split decision second uh, to make a choice. And I just thought drums sounded cool. My folks were really into music. And I always heard music in the house. And I always kind of gravitated towards the drums. And I just started right there with my high school band director. Had a beautiful seven-year relationship with him all through high school, jazz band, drumline, uh, concert band, all that stuff. And uh, A great teacher can mean the world. I've had, I've had some great teachers in my life, my career as a musician, personal teachers, uh, school teachers and stuff like that. Yeah. Myself as a music teacher, I, I teach drums and guitar. And, you know, I, the effect a music teacher can have on a, a, a young person is amazing. You know, they can really mold them in Big a certain time. way, you know. Big time. I still keep in touch. I see him whenever I go back to Minnesota, where I grew up, uh, and just 
recently was there for a few sad reasons. My dad broke his leg and I had a high school friend pass away. So I went to her funeral. But while I was home, I had lunch with an English teacher mm. who meant a lot to me in high school, too. And I, you know, I congratulate him and, and thank him for being uh, that great English teacher that I needed. You know, grammar and writing is so important with what we do now. So I had to see him for lunch and thank him. You started as a drummer. When did photography become a, a hobby? Or yeah, a, so dig this right here. When I was about 13, my mom and I went to the camera store and bought this for my dad for Christmas. All right, that's the one. <laughs> he, he never figured it out, but I did. I took it over and I read the manual back and forth, forth and back, and just learned everything there was to know about photography and got to work. Yeah. I probably have run... <laughs> thousands of roll of film through this camera yeah trial and error right so much different than an insta camera working the well, lens you know. the shutter speed all that stuff right it took like a week to get the film back yeah <laughs> i'd drop it off at the drugstore a week later would come back and i'd check my notes and i decided that week was too long to wait so i started developing my own film in the bathroom and i was hooked that was it magic that's very cool now not only do you have to learn how to work the camera but capturing that moment there's a certain essence too of of knowing when to take that shot especially when you're capturing uh uh, people right that are out constantly changing expressions and stuff like that totally i'm not one of those guys that fires off a million frames and you know selects the one i'm very limited in shooting i i'm very selective and i wait for the moment and you know try not to be a true obtrusive as ringo calls it He's unobtrusive or whatever he said in my forward. Uh, You know, I just try and be the fly in the wall or just hang amongst the artists and just try and contribute whatever I can. And when that moment happens, just be ready. And there's a lot of like famous rock star photographers almost, right? Like I love uh, like Bob Gruen is great. Uh, Mark Weiss. I don't know if you know him. Marshall. Yeah. All those guys. And they almost become like rock star photographers. And a lot of the times these guys get, great candid shots of the performers because they kind of work their way in and they're just kind of one of the team and these. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. You know, these people kind of let their guard down a little bit and they're able to, you know, not, not so much posing in front of the camera kind of thing. Right. Really. That's how it is with the drummers for sure. For a lot of the drummers that I shoot, I love talking drums with any drummer. Yeah. I've said it a million times before on any other interview or anything I've written, you know, just having that conversation with the drummer uh, asking them about certain songs or wow that drum fill or what symbol do you use on that or that's the thing with drummers too right it's it's the person in the band that's the most down to earth and all drummers kind of have this connection and from- we have our unique language yeah. that's it yeah. and all drummers love talking the language and uh you know that's just the icebreaker for all the great artists and once we get through you know talking about drums oh yeah let's do some photos it's a lot easier you break that barrier down you get to the person, the heart and soul. And really, that's been my magic, being able to hang and communicate well with drummers and speak the language and um, break down that barrier. Excellent, excellent. So when did it come that you were able to get these connections with the musicians? When did it start? When were you able to start photographing drummers, other musicians, rock stars? When did it lead to like Ringo Starr and Charlie Watts and these kind of guys? Yeah, that's an interesting question that gets asked often. It's just a long, slow progression. There's no, you know, one time I was I was speaking at a school, photography school. I love speaking, by the way. I do keynote speaking and I go talk to college kids and 
I love talking to photo schools and, you know, just giving back and helping any way I can. And I got that question once. So how do I go to L.A. and become a rock star photographer? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Well, here's what you do. You jump in a van, you drive to L.A. with all your belongings and you live on the streets for a few months and you hustle and you hopefully get a job and eventually can afford an apartment and, uh, you know, just keep hustling and the phone keeps ringing. And that's really what I did. Van life before it was hip. Now it's (laughs) back then it was rock and roll and I didn't know any other way. It's just what I wanted to do. And, uh, moving to LA from Minnesota was a big dream come true. And, and as you're becoming um, a, a photographer, are you still playing drums? You're playing with bands and stuff too? Yeah, always playing. Uh, in fact, I got a rehearsal this afternoon. I got called yesterday to play with a country band, believe it or not, some country band uh, this weekend. So I'm going to go do a rehearsal with them quick this afternoon. And it's a dear friend of mine who I started the COVID band with. I don't know if you're hip to my socials, but we I post videos on Facebook uh, starting... 2020 during the pandemic we put together a covid band and we played out on a sidewalk in front of his house for all the neighbors on friday nights and then sunday we played here in my front yard with a trio a jazz trio with a sax player a guitar player and me on drums so much fun very cool so much fun playing for the neighborhoods and you know folks who wanted to get out hear live music but couldn't everything was shut down so it was really a fun thing to do I think I did see some of your videos and you yeah. have a kit that's pretty much a Charlie Watts Gretsch replica kit, right? I played a total Charlie Watts setup. The one you saw on the sidewalk was my uh, beautiful DW performance kit okay. I got from those guys. It's a 20-inch kick, 12, 14, uh, nice, real thin hardware. I love it. It's very transportable, fits in my truck real quick and easy. Yeah, and no boom stands. I don't like boom stands on drum kits, I can man. set that thing up in like <laughs> six minutes. Yeah. Uh, my kid with my Stones band, you know, I've been playing with the Hollywood Stones for 27 years. Wow. I know, 27 years. I have my Charlie replica kit that I went to the Gretsch factory and, and built wow. from the shells up. And it was one of the most fun experiences of my life. It was so incredible. That's amazing. Do you have a, like, do you use a Ludwig Speed King as well? I use the Ludwig Speed King. Do you have a Rogers hi hat? Stand? Rogers Swivomatic wow, hi hat. <laughs> Hardcore. Um, you got the, uh, the China. Between your Tom and your UFIP, oh, it's a UFIP too. Oh, it's classic. UFIP eighteen and the one down here over the floor, Tom. And the one over the floor, Tom, was a gift from Charlie, which is kind of special. Every time I put it on my kid, every time I set up and put that thing on, it makes me uh, puts a little smile on my face. And I have an eighteen-inch flat ride. I'm looking for the ultimate uh, Tosca or UFIP flat ride, the one that Charlie had. Mm -hmm. One just came up on eBay last week, and I missed it by. by 10 minutes it came up and it was gone so fast i talked to the guy that bought it though it's going to a good home yeah wow. but they're hard to find so i have an 18 inch zildjian hollow uh, logo from the early 70s and some old avitas hi-hats and the snare drum i got from john good and the story is uh when charlie started 
playing the DW snare drums. John Good sent him five drums to try out, different depths, different, you know, the 14 inch, but slightly yeah. different woods, different depths. Charlie kept one and he sent the other four back. Thanks, John, but I only need one. <laughs> and the snare that I'm playing is one of those four. One of those four, wow. So it's been tested by Charlie Watts. That's great. <laughs> yeah, tested and rejected, but I'll take it. <laughs> That's amazing, man. <laughs> okay, hit it. A very close inspection Wonder why it is that they suspect them And they train me to their collection All right, so we got to get to this, man. I'm dying to hear about some Ringo and some Charlie stuff. So when was the first time you connected with Ringo Starr? that happened was through my dear friend Sheila E. Because she played with Ringo's all-star band, right? That's right. Yeah. And when she started playing with him, I'd already been working with her for many years, did a couple records with her, uh, shot all her ads for DW drums and Heisty cymbals. And uh, she called me, Rob, I got the gig. I'm with Ringo. I can't believe it. Come to the shows. I want you to shoot some stuff for me. So of course I go and I get, I get to meet Ringo backstage. I think that was my favorite of all of his all-star bands. That's, I saw that tour. That was a good one. He had like Sheila E., Howard Jones, uh, Greg Lake. Billy Squire. Billy Rod Squire. Uh, Roger Hodgson from Supertramp. Roger was just before that. Okay, yeah. Um, who else? Yeah, some really always good bands. Yeah. Always really su- supreme artists and great guys and gals and that was always a treat, touring and meeting the artists in the band. That's how I get to be really good friends with Billy Squire, spending a couple tours with him. And, and you get to see Ringo Starr like play drums on a like glamorous amazing. life and stuff, right? <laughs> Soundcheck. You know, it's funny. He comes up to his kid at Soundcheck and his longtime drum tech, Jeff Chonas, dear friend of mine, we just stand behind and listen to him. As soon as he sits down and goes into a groove, it's He's like, just like, oh, that's fucking Ringo. Like butter. Come on! 
Some more? I said, do you want to hear some more? Come on, Sheila, give us some more of that.
Ladies and gentlemen, the incredible Sheila here. Sheila he. <laughs> Far out. She is the best. <laughs> and I think I read something too, Rob, about you. That are you left a left-handed drummer on a right-handed kit? I am. Just like Ringo too, right? <laughs> That's my very first conversation I had with Ringo. Right, there's your answer. My for first shoe sure. with Ringo. <laughs> first thing I said is, I'm also a lefty playing on a righty kit, so I know this fill. Going Why around the fills. He's yeah. like, oh my god, so you get it. And that was our first conversation. Yeah, that's amazing. That's excellent. Yeah. So you've worked with him, what, since then? Photo shoots? I saw you did all the photographs for his 2012 record and stuff, right? Yeah, I did 2012. Why not? Uh, Postcards from Paradise. Uh, not only did I do the cover photos, but I designed the covers, laid them out. Uh, it's another hobby of mine. Graphic design. My wife is a graphic designer, so uh, I learned a lot of that through her. By the way, my wife and I did my book, Volume One, speaking of graphic design, and uh, you know the book that Ringo wrote the foreword for is just, you know just another another angle of my art. You know, photography, right. graphic design, music. That all all comes together. That's amazing. And this book is it's a photography book, I assume. Yeah, my, my first published uh, book of my photo collection, my rock and roll collection. Right, so uh, volume uh, one, Through the Lens, of music photography. Through the Lens, yeah. forward by Ringo Starr. Really great for him to write the forward. Every time I see your face, it reminds me of the place we used to go.
Charlie always been, you know, a goal of mine to get to know and get to meet him. And it started 1996. Charlie was playing out in here in LA with his jazz group. And uh, I got in with a camera, took some photos, sent one to him and got a letter back from Charlie. Uh, the following year, it took a whole year to, to make that connection. But we made a connection and I kept reaching out to Jim Keltner to help, you know, coordinate. A meeting with him and and Jim was gracious enough. Jim's such a great, great friend and dear dear friend and, and made that happen and uh, kind of warmed Charlie up to me. He's like, yeah, you gotta be Rob photographer, but drummer and 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 it was good. Our first meeting and shooting with Charlie was great. And you know, years later, uh, I'd done some stuff with him through the years and then when they were uh, I forget what year, 2013. I talk about it in my tribute to Charlie for Modern Drummer Magazine. Um, if you guys want to read it, it's on my blog, on my website, robshanahan.art. Go to the blog, it's the full feature tribute to Charlie. Uh, the Stones were here in town playing Dodger Stadium, so I called uh, Ringo and said, man, Charlie's in town. Let's get you guys together. Called Jim Keltner, got Charlie on the phone. And uh, the next day we all met at Ringo's house. 
That's amazing. amazing. That's one amazing. of the that's one of the photos I saw, and I'm like, oh my god, I gotta reach out to Rob. I gotta talk to him about this. There's the one shot I'm talking about is you have a f- shot of Ringo and Charlie basically hugging. There's three photos, and it's like they're walking to each other, big smiles. And they got their arms outreached, and they give each other a hug. Yeah, I yeah, I'm, I might have rolled a tear when I first saw that. Like this was oh, like that's sweet. right that's after sweet. Charlie had passed away, and I love Ringo and Charlie, and those guys mean so much to me. And seeing those guys connect and. <laughs> Oh, it almost beautiful. didn't happen. And Jim Keltner off to the side, kind of. I'm gonna sit, off to the side. I'm gonna stand right back, on. let these guys have their moment. But I'm here too, you know. Jim's a cool cat. <laughs> so cool. Yeah, he was just letting them have their moment, and it really was an unbelievable. Especially now, you know, now that Charlie's gone. Yeah. And unfortunately, that happens with a lot of things. Their art becomes more special. I mean, it was always special to me, but to be able to release those photos. And by the way, I've never released those photos. There's only two or three that ever seen the light of day from that meeting with Charlie and Ringo and Jim. But now that Charlie's gone, they take on a whole new meeting. So it was special to have those in my archives and to be able to release them. getting back to that moment really what happened was Char- uh, excuse me Ringo and I were waiting at the top of his driveway it's noon waiting for Charlie and Jim to pull up and up comes Jim's car Charlie gets out Ringo Charlie goes uh, and Ringo goes Charlie and they start running towards each other like the classic love story <laughs> on the beach and I'm just in awe watching wow. and my heart is just pounding and filling with love and oh my god I can't believe I'm witnessing this and at the very last second, I realized, oh yeah, I got my camera. Got that shot just wow. as they're connecting. And Beautiful, man. So you guys got to go to the, the the blog page and see the photos now. You'll see what I'm talking about. You got to see. It's, it's so cool. special moment. It's so cool. And then there's a few shots, I guess, of them hanging out. I guess they made it to Ringo's little electronic drum kit there. Yeah. And there's yeah, a beautiful shot. This house. is the shot that Ringo, I guess, shared the day Charlie passed away. Ringo shared this photo that you took of them kind of passing off drumsticks together 
an amazing moment. Man, Again, beautiful. one of those moments that was here and gone in a quarter of a second. Uh, Ringo was playing on his electronic kit, showing Charlie some sounds and goofing around and we're all laughing. Wow, yeah. that sounds fun. And and uh, he gets up, here, Charlie, have a go. And he hands Charlie the sticks. And if you've ever been behind a kid and got up and handed another drummer a pair of sticks, that yep. moment is gone like yep. that. Wow. And I just instinctually and ironically or funny enough and i may release it someday but that photo is cropped in to just ringo and charlie but if you pan out i'm in the photo in the mirror you can see me and i'm holding my camera down here right it happened so fast i got to here and hit the button and i was just hoping it was in focus and it was all good and just one of those moments Wow, that's incredible, man. That uh, moment will be around long after I'm gone, too. That's the beauty of photography, capturing a moment uh, uh, like a recording or, or anything else. I can't thank you enough for that. Like, it's probably the, f who knows if that was the last time they met. That was 2006, you're saying, right? So, yeah, you know, they might have had another moment in there between. They had, yeah. yeah. But, One time was, after, I got a text from Steve Jordan. And he was with Ringo and Charlie and Jim Keltner at a restaurant in Hollywood. It's that Jim turned me on to. It's a really good restaurant owned by the late, great Steve Bing uh, called Crossroads. But I met Jim there a few times for dinners and uh, they all met there for dinner one night back in the private room. Yeah. Uh, I didn't get my invitation. They must have forgot my phone number or something. But there was Steve Jordan with those guys and he sent me a photo of the four of them. And I was like, man, that's, that's cool. That's so cool. That's, cool. <laughs> that's awesome, man. Yeah, you got to capture back, these moments. Steve, I've been there. I've I've met. I've been. I have this. I send him back the photo of me with those three guys. It's kind of fun. So you photographed the stones a few times. You photographed Keith. Uh, these basically yeah. live shots though, right? Yep. Yep. Um, I've met Keith a handful of times and uh, photographed him a handful of times. And last year, or excuse me, 2019, I keep saying last year because we lost a couple of years in there. It seems like last year to me, but 2019 uh, in the fall, uh, I went and did a string of dates with the stones, four dates shooting and hanging and backstage with Charlie. And I had a film crew with me, which was really fun. Uh, I was able to secure film rights to uh, filming backstage with the Stones, which was unheard of. I don't know how I did it, but I got it to happen. And they sat, uh, they, they filmed uh, in Charlie's dressing room and backstage and on the, on the stage for sound check or just before sound check. And just Charlie and I hanging around and Doing some double drumming on his drum pads in his in his dressing room, wow. and 
It was cool, man. Really fun. Really great. There was that shot that made one of the modern drummer covers of Charlie, of him sitting on his kit, and he's spun around. He's wearing his, like, pullover, like, sweater, and he's kind of got oh, that yeah, big the, smile. Is it, the, the tour jacket. Tour jacket, yeah. Tongue, yeah. Yeah. Was that, your, was that from that tour recently? Yeah, that was, no, that was 2013. Oh, 13. Okay. Uh, yeah, that was... I'm sorry. Let's go back. The, the day with, with Ringo and Charlie and Jim Keltner at Ringo's house... That was 2006, okay, not yeah. 16, 2006. Six. We got to make sure we get the timeline right. Yeah. 2013 was the photo that will be on the cover of Modern Drummer for the special tribute to Charlie edition. There's actually four different covers. That's one of them. And yeah, that's the shot of him sitting at the Gretsch kit, turned back, holding the sticks with that big, beautiful smile on his face. Yeah. And I'll tell you how I got that. Um, after the the day with Ringo and Charlie and Jim, driving home, I just was in a total state of euphoria. I just knew I had a pretty incredible group of photos. And uh, when I got home and started looking through, I just couldn't believe it. I put together really great special limited editions of four, only four copies exist, little books of uh, photos of the day. And I sent one to Charlie, one to Jim, one to Ringo. and. Uh, I got a call from Charlie. Rob, you made me look like a movie star. <laughs> so that Amazing. photo on stage with uh, with him sitting at the tour kit, all I had to say was, Charlie, you are a movie star. And he gave me that big, bright smile. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> and one photo right there, boom. That was it. Drummer doesn't print magazines anymore, do they? Supposedly, they're printing that one. 
Well, we'll see. Well, we'll... Four, like I said, four different covers, so four different collect all collector series editions, and I'm also waiting. And I have the Stones Camp calling me. Where are the issues? We're we're dying to see them. And um, awesome. It's on their website. Uh, I've seen it up, but I don't know why they haven't printed yet. Well, I shot. Let's see. Last year, I shot Sheila E's cover for um, her induction into the Modern Drummer Hall of Fame which was amazing. Her first, uh, their first female inductee, which is hard to believe all these years, but it makes sense. It's Sheila. So I did that cover. I think we shot it in like May and it finally came out in like August. So they are running a little behind. Yeah. And then after that, I shot the um, uh, Russ Miller cover a few months after, and that's just came out like in November. So I know they're running a little bit behind, but, Hopefully we see it soon. Well, they've been teasing the covers, right? I need all four, man. Who needs Kiss? I need all four covers of the uh, Charlie Watts issues. <laughs> <laughs> Some other bands uh, you've worked with. Aerosmith, Motley Crue, Van Halen. What about those guys? I don't know, man. I could talk about <laughs> Stones all day. I know, me too. I'm trying to like get a little variety here, but I could just talk to you about yeah, Charlie Aerosmith. all day. Aerosmith is another great one. One of my all-time faves in high school, like a lot of guys and folks. And... Uh, I started working with Joey Kramer first with DW and we've done campaign ads for them and Joey kept saying, man, you got to shoot the band. I got to get you in. And he was working his angle. I was working my angle. And yeah, yeah. Uh, eventually uh, their management called and said, okay, Vegas, here we go. So I went out to Vegas, did them there first. Then we went to KC, uh, a few other places and just unbelievable unbelievable experience really amazing and meeting steven tyler was everything you would hope it would be yeah come on baba baba he was as cool and fun and uh kick ass as i was hoping and did not disappoint and um at soundcheck you know he's like dude you gotta run all over stage during the show i don't care wherever you go just you know do your thing we want you to get all the great angles and have fun and and I'm like, whoa, 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 on stage with Aerosmith during the show. And he's like, yeah. So, you know, I'm Watch out, out for spinning mic stands and scarves and stuff. Watch you know? <laughs> out for, for running guitar players. And, well, they weren't running so much that night, but I did bump into Tom Hamilton. I feel so bad about it. I was backing up, backing up, and I was thought I was clear. And all of a sudden, oh, run right into Tom. But he had a good attitude about it. We got a good chuckle out of it.
You sure about that? One thing I was going to ask you too, you're photographing all these drummers and you got this connection with the drummers. Did they ever let you sit down with their kits? I played, yeah. I got on some kits. I got on the Joey's kit. I yeah. sat at Charlie's kit. Oh, you I sat didn't at Charlie's play. kit, man. <laughs> yeah, that was a pretty cool experience. I wanted to sit down and see how he's got everything set up because I have my setup pretty close. I yeah. wanted to see, and I was so close. I mean, I've studied all the photos yeah. and all the videos. Very, very close. That's the thing. Let's like, as a drummer, like my one of my big drummer envies is sitting behind kits where you see all these guys' kits and you're like, oh, oh I yeah. just love to sit there and see how it feels. Like like Steve Jordan, the great Steve Jordan, who's you know, you know filling in for Charlie with the Stones. I loved yeah. his tribute to Charlie with that that black Gretsch kit where he got rid of the uh the yeah. symbol between the hi-hat and the tom That's like right. Charlie had in the 70s so we could get yeah, that went, angle connection went with back Keith. to the 71 tour which oh, is yeah. super cool so cool man I love that <laughs> I talked to Steve a couple of days after their LA show after their second LA show he uh called me up to see if I wanted to come for breakfast I got to go hang and I got to ask him all the questions everyone's dying to know like rehearsals the first show etc cetera, etc cetera. and just really cool, man. Hearing all that was just great. And I asked him about removing his symbol over the hi hat is gone, as you say. Yeah. Uh, like Charlie did uh, in the seventies, and he's he said it's awesome. It's like a wide open view of Keith. That's all I'm doing is following Keith. That's I why I think to, Charlie did it in the that's early. That's exactly 70s. why Charlie did it too. I'm I'm yeah. pretty certain just to have total wide open view of. Uh, Okay. And it's fun too, man. Like I've done that a few times, set up my kit to have some fun and just figure out what that's like. And you're, you yeah. have to be more creative because you don't have that crash symbol over there, which is kind of the go-to crash symbol for a drummer. But now you got to move over here. And like we said in that episode, the, the fill he does in Wild Horses at the end are do-do-do-do-do-do. And he splashes his hi-hat because there's no symbol over there. So when he's, you know, yeah, it's so creative, call. right? Like Really good. I know exactly that fill. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes. That makes sense. So he's splashing his hi-hat and he's using that differently than he would, you know, because there's no yeah. symbol there. So it's, it's really good call. Yeah, yeah. I never thought about that, but that makes total sense. Cool stuff, yeah. What so else? yeah, other kits that I've sat at, I've sat at Alex Van Halen's, oh. which is <laughs> mind-blowing. Like a monster, but like eight bass drum, eight kick drums, like... 30 toms up there you know yeah that was uh 2005 and it was that light blonde wood with the green dragon on front that was custom made by john douglas uh that was in boise idaho i went up there to shoot those guys and man that was cool and again alex after sound check man i talked to the band we want you on stage during the show full access do your thing man and I'm telling you, that was one of the greatest experiences of my life, being on stage with one of my all-time favorite bands ever, Van Halen. And that's, it must sound you know, so good, too, when you're up there taking photographs and you can hear the yeah. band like on stage rather than in the crowd, right? You're hearing the, the, the monitors and the, the Eddie stack, and you're hearing Michael Anthony's massive rig. You're hearing wow. the drums right in front of you. It's a really cool sound, really great. Like any band, you know, on stage is always the best sound. Not always, but usually. So that show, that's the night that I got the Eddie Van Halen photo that's been around. And everyone knows it. And I think I I've seen that one. He's bending down, and you're getting him from the behind, shooting the like out to the crowd, that sort of shot? That's exactly it. He's down on one knee with the fist up in the air yeah. saluting brother al and it's one of my all-time favorite photos also and you know it just goes back to being in the right place at the right moment and having your gear all 
inside your head and knowing all your settings and being prepared and being ready for that moment because they come fast. be exciting you probably have to get 200 shots to get those five sweet ones right yeah well i don't shoot a lot of frames i just kind of grab the moments and that particular moment i fired off two frames i have two ones just as he's coming down and then the one that we all know and love well that's the experience right that's the novice saying take 100 shots and you'll get one good one but you'll be like nah just take three and you'll get two good ones i need one (laughs) i just need one just need one that's all i need Cool, man. One shot I saw of you, which I wanted to ask you about, is uh, there, uh, did I see a picture of you and DJ Fontana? Oh, yeah. Tell oh, me about DJ. Man. I love DJ, man. I was in uh, Nashville shooting, and I got a call from Paul Lyme, the great studio drummer in Nashville. Hey, I'm doing this Elvis tribute Friday night. Want to come be my guest? I'm like, damn right. So he introduced me to DJ that night, and I had another week in Nashville, so I asked DJ if we could do a shoot while I'm in town. And he said, you want to do it with the kit? The kit. I'm like, whoa, the kit. Yeah, Yeah, he had the old Gretsch. Copper sparkle, 50s, round badge. With the uh, the calfskin head, right? A calfskin head. An actual, actually a calfskin. It's like, it's got it's the skin of a cow, fur. right? Yeah, furry, right? <laughs> it's fur. I touched it. It's fur. Wow. And he had the kid at the house. So uh, a couple days later, I was at his house. 
And his wife, Karen, was so sweet. And uh, I got a tour of his memorabilia room and awards and private Elvis collection. And the drum kit was just out of this world. I sat behind the kit and I put my hands on all the heads. He had the kit redone years ago, but it's the original heads. Had the original heads put on. Wow. So I'm feeling the vibe and on his snare head, and I told Steve Jordan this story. And when I told him, he freaked out. He couldn't believe it. On his snare head, he had two different wear marks. So I mentioned to DJ, oh, I see you found the sweet spots. He goes, yeah, that's chorus. That's verse. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. <laughs> so you got to hit a little bit harder. You got to throw a backbeat there on the chorus. And the verses is yeah. probably more in the center kind of thing, right? It was, it was beautiful. And I oh. played it with my fingers a little bit. But I didn't want to get on it and play on it. You know, How many times did you do that hound dog roll on that piece of plastic, right? That's I, I, I played hound dog on it. Yeah, of course I you got to do it, man. And I played a little jailhouse rock. Jailhouse rock. In my mind, I'm hearing it. Oh, man, it's just, that's the kit. So that kit. Elvis played up. that kit, right? There's photos of Elvis, Elvis played the in kit. the studio behind sitting down. The yeah. There's a couple photos on the wall behind him. And one, Elvis is on the kit. And there in front is that calfskin head. It's like the DNA print. Wow, that's amazing uh, to, stuff. To man. that photo. And... Uh, I got some really great photos of DJ with, with, with the kit. And as you know, or maybe you don't, the kit ended up with Charlie. Charlie bought that kit. I didn't know that. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, I'm sitting on the couch with DJ and Karen on either side of me going through his old scrapbook of the Elvis days. And it was just blowing my mind. His own personal private photos wow. of Elvis <laughs> pumping gas. Elvis sleeping in the back of the Cadillac. On tour, wow, man. He told me all about them traveling in the South in an old 50s Cadillac, and all the gear would go up on the roof. Yeah, for the big the big doghouse base on the roof of the Caddy, right? They had a big tarp. All four of them would take a corner, and they would tie it down. Wow. Elvis would jump in the back, and off they would go to the next gig. And you got to remember, early 50s, that was like, you know, they'd go from, like, New Orleans to, to Shreveport or... Yep. You know, small little down in the bay and 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 uh, in the bayou and 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 down in the Gulf Coast and just hitting all these little juke joints and man, it's just high schools and fairs and carnivals and stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What a time, Sock right? hops and getting a gig wherever so they, they just, could, right? They play all the time, and uh, <laughs> it's just amazing hearing those stories. He's like, Elvis is just one of the guys. Remember, this is before Elvis really started hitting it, and they were just touring around in that Cadillac, and Elvis would take turns driving every once in a while, but mostly laid down in the back with yeah. pillows, and uh, man, just fascinating. You know, he asked me, so uh, do you know of anyone who'd be interested in the drum kit? I was curious what, you know, what he was going to do with it, and uh, he said, of course, the Hard Rock wants it, the Hall of Fame wants it, but they just want donations, and he was looking to sell it for the grandkids, pass on some money for the, for the kids. So uh, I got back to my hotel that night, and I started sending the photos to Don McCauley, Charlie's tech. Right. And Don's like, please tell me Ringo doesn't want that kit. And I'm like, <laughs> Ringo doesn't want his own kit. He sells all his stuff. He doesn't want DJ's kit thinking charlie and he said yeah we got our radar on that thing and uh he started sending the photos to charlie and not long after charlie ended up with that kit which is really really great wow that's amazing i'm glad charlie got it yes sir here he is the new singing 
sensation all over the country. Elvis Presley. You ain't nothing but a hound dog. You was high class. Well, that was just a lie. Yeah, they said you were high class. somewhere i'm hoping it ends up somewhere where we all get to sit and enjoy it and watch it that's the thing like i love being in the presence of these instruments i just recently went to see the uh, stones unzipped exhibit again and charlie's original ludwig case there right and just being in in the same room as that kit feeling the essence right (laughs) soaking it up soaking the yeah i have that same photo you're talking about the uh exhibitionism yeah, it's, it's called Unzip exhibit. now. I saw it in Nashville a few years ago when it was oh. called Exhibitionism, and now it's up here in Canada in Kitchener. Mm. They're, they're calling it Unzipped, but it's the same. Oh, great. It's the same exhibit. Great, great stuff. Okay, yeah. good. Yeah, they got that black nitron kid, and that's a great exhibit. I saw it in Vegas. Where else did I see? I saw it a handful of times. Yeah, the New recreation York. of their uh, their flat there at, uh, what was that place called? Uh, their Edith first Grove. apartment. Edith Grove, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> With Nankerfeld as a roommate. Yeah. Oh, the stories. I'm sure those guys could tell. That's the thing, uh, man. So check this out. The, the, the next time I went back to see DJ, months go by, maybe a year. I'm back in Nashville. I went to see DJ again, and I brought some photos from the last trip. I'd already emailed some to him, and they had used them for things. And uh, But I brought a stack for him to sign. When I say a stack, I mean three or four. Right, yeah. Uh, and I had him sign a couple that I have here, but I had him sign one to Charlie. Oh, nice. 
hand signed to Charlie, love DJ. Oh, just amazing. Geez. There's a picture of him standing behind the kit and I framed it and gave it to Charlie in August, 2019 backstage. In addition to that, I, I had one from um, Hal Blaine. Wow. To Charlie, love Hal, my amigo. Yeah. Uh, a photo that I did of Hal with his um, uh, DW icon snare, the Wrecking Crew icon snare that we all know and love. Uh, I did that uh, photo for the campaign. And so I had him sign one to Charlie. I gave these to, to Charlie backstage in uh, 2019. It was awesome oh. so great his eyes light up he loves those drummers and stuff like right? love he's like he's one of us we can talk about drums with him he just loves it right on that on that episode i did the tribute to charlie rob told that story about being backstage and and charlie being excited to meet chuck connor's little richard's drummer and just being like, oh, yeah. lighting up and being like that's chuck connor's right and this is charlie yeah. watts talking right <laughs> i know it's so great he gets excited about well you gotta know those drummers were like he is to us, you know, yeah. they were like his idols growing up. I'm sure he listened to tons and tons of little Richard and Elvis, Fred Bilo, and... all that, all the chess stuff. Right. Oh yeah. Big time. Cause Charlie time. was a jazz guy coming from jazz and blues. And then when he got with the stones, kind of Keith was like, you gotta listen to this. You gotta listen to that. Yeah. That's when Charlie kind of was like, yeah, I'm getting into this. And that's where his style comes from. Right. He's got that light swing and bounce, but he's kind of got a great backbeat and he knows how to push a rock song and a shuffle, you know? great yeah it's an interesting uh combo his early love of jazz and then introduction into the classic rhythm and blues and early rock and roll from keith and mick and you know transfusing those together and creating his own sound with the stones it's a beautiful thing perfecting that straight eighth groove that he came up with in the 70s lifting off the hi-hat on two and four yeah. that trademark yep. sound right beautiful very cool Incredible. which going back to my uh high school playing seven years of my high school jazz band was so much fun i loved the big band and playing that stuff but you know at home in my bedroom i'm playing motley Crue and van halen and stones and aerosmith and every other rock thing i can think of so it was a nice combo i like that it's good <laughs> to have the jazz chops yeah i, I agree that's the same we sound like we grew up in the same kind of <laughs> Same kind of things there, Rob. I went to uh, Humber College, went through the jazz program, playing drums. But, I, you know, right. I was big into heavy metal and, you know, I love all the rock and roll guys as well. And having that mix yeah. is, you know, turns you into a great, great musician. Combo. Yeah, it's great stuff, man. It gets back to learning the fundamentals, mm -hmm. you know, rudiments, same with photography, learning shutter speeds, f-stumps, ISOs, that triangle of lighting and figuring out all how all that works. You have to know the basics to to really master anything. And I still take lessons. I'm studying. I've been studying with Greg Bissonnette for about a year. And it's oh, so excellent. much fun. It's cool. just so great. Like every other Wednesday, I go up to his house and we double drum and uh, we work on stuff. Like we'll work on like Clyde, Clyde Stubblefield or we'll do like a Steve Jordan groove or we'll work yeah. on this or that. Or we'll try and play a hot for teacher we'll break it apart and he shows me all the little parts it's just amazing going back and studying again i love it yeah music is so great you can always keep learning always room to grow always places to move with this creative stuff right yeah we need to always continually uh expand our drumming vocabulary as greg calls it so yeah. that's what i'm doing and art always expanding you know my photography trying to learn new things and see what's going out there Excellent. trying to learn new things but it's funny as i have all my old same old lighting gear from like 
20 years ago, but it's my lighting. I love it. It works. Whatever I upgrade works. all my cameras, you know, every two, three, four years, I get all the latest and greatest. I went from this, ready? Yeah. To this. That's quite the progression. Right. Total digital world now. Digital world now. It's so different, I right? I love it. Digital world. What was the uh, transition between going from film to digital? Was there a big a big hump for you to overcome a challenge with that stuff? Really, not at all. I was, it was couldn't have come at the more perfect time for me. By the way, before I jumped into music, which would have been early '90s, I was shooting uh, pro sports for the NFL, Major League Baseball, okay. uh, NBA, and that really was my schooling on getting the shot, timing. Focusing, fast motion, right? Fast motion, being able to pull focus as somebody's running at you, all that stuff. It was like photography college 101, shooting pro sports. I loved it. But when music came on, you know, I just stayed on top of the learning curve of gear. And when digital came around, my, like I said, my wife's a graphic designer and she had the latest and greatest Max at the time and was jumping into Photoshop. You know, this is early 90s when it first hit. And she was learning Photoshop and Illustrator and Quark and designing in the computer versus old school cut and paste, uh, which she learned in college. And I just started jumping on her computer whenever she wasn't on. I would get on and learn and I was scanning my, my files, my two and a quarter uh, Hasselblad frames that would mm-hmm. high-res scan or my 35 millimeter slides and I was getting them into the computer and starting to do my own retouching and learning the Color digital world. And I jumped right in right away right at the beginning and I knew I had to like any fad you know you you, you have to figure out if it's going to be what you need to do to thrive and survive and stay relevant and I just knew it was coming so I jumped in from the very beginning I've been with Photoshop from the very, very beginning, so I have that that uh, um, experience under my belt, which is good. I know Photoshop, and I love that everything is digital. I can get it into my machine, and it brings me back to the old darkroom days when I would sit and spend hours or half a day making one print, getting the perfect do- uh, dodge and burn, and now you can do it on the screen a fraction of the time. But I enjoy that. I enjoy the the growth and the transition. I just I'm really glad that I learned, you know, the basics from the beginning, the old school darkroom. All right. Well, I encourage everybody to check out Rob's photography. Like I said, so many great moments you've captured, specifically all of my drummer heroes. You know, you seem to have pictures of them in great shots. So where can people check out your work and uh, get a hold of that book? Yeah, on my uh, online gallery store, the beauty of the COVID pandemic, having time to actually focus in my office. You know, I've been wanting to do an online gallery for many, many years, but I just never seemed to have the time. It took a long time and a lot of hard work, but we got it up and it's robshanahan.art. Go check it out. robshanahan.art. Get a photo, get a gallery print on metal, on canvas, uh, traditional gallery prints like, oh, here you go. 
Would oh. this look good in your office? Yeah, I'll I'll get you my address for that right after we uh, get <laughs> off here, Rob. That look that's amazing. <laughs> that's incredible. Yeah, that's, I happen to have part of having an online gallery store now. I'm doing some uh, shipping out here. Wicked, there's I the hand Eddie. sign all these. There's that, the Eddie print. That's excellent. Wow, look at that. Trying to get it without the light reflection, but I hand sign these suckers. So they come into my office. I sign them. They get framed up, and then we ship them out. So. You can get them on the website, robshanahan.art. And of course, my Instagram, we're posting on their daily cool, fun things uh, at Shanahan Photo. All right. Thank you, Rob. It was great to talk to you. Thanks for sharing Thank these you, great man. stories. Let's go out on a song. Do you got a favorite Charlie Watts song, a favorite Ringo Starr, a favorite uh, Tommy Lee drum part? What do you want to play? What should we go out on? Let me hear some Can't You Hear Me Knocking. What a fun song to play.
Well, that's the show, friends. Thanks for listening. You can find us on our website, TrampsLikeUsPod.com. Communicate with us on Facebook, on our Tramps Like Us podcast group page. Rockin' and Rollin' and Whatnot Sidecast is a non-profit audio fanzine created by fans for fans and is available for free. We are not affiliated with Bruce Springsteen or any of the artists featured on the show. If you have heard any music you like, please find it and purchase it via Amazon, your local record store, or wherever music is sold. As always, gratitude and respect to all of the great musicians and performers we feature on the show. Stay cool and keep rocking and rolling and whatnot. Are you a mod or a rocker? Um, no, I'm a mocker. Oh. <laughs> Do you think these haircuts have come to stay? Well, this one has, you know. Stuck on good and proper now. <laughs> Frankly nice. You're the brown, aren't they? What do you call that collar? Oh, a collar. Oh, how do you like your girlfriends to dress? Oh,